the book of Leviticus. Oh, the poor book of Leviticus. It gets, uh, it gets skipped, um, in our, um, daily reading because I, I think we know that it contains all of those detailed, uh, specifications of the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. Um, but you might not be aware that it also contains one of the most important chapters in the entire Bible. It is a chapter that is much discussed and even analyzed in the book of Hebrews. Or excuse me, it's a chapter in, in the, in the book of Leviticus. It's chapter 16. And we're going to use chapter 16 in our, our, um, our communion meditations for three months. This month, uh, October and then November. It's a critical chapter. And, and I won't do this every month, but I'm, I, I have to read the entire chapter to you this morning. It is a chapter that outlines Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. So you find it and uh, follow as I read it. Leviticus chapter 16. It's rather long. Stay with me. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they drew near before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, your brother, not to come at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat that is on the ark, so that he may not die. For I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. But in this way, Aaron shall come into the holy place with a bull from the herd of a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen coat and shall have the linen undergarment on his body and he shall tie the linen sash around his waist and wear the linen turban. These are the holy garments. He shall bathe his body in water and then put them on and he shall take from the congregation of the people of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. Then he shall take the two goats and set them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron shall cast lots over the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for Azazel. And Aaron shall present the goat on which the lot fell for the Lord and use it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell for Azazel shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement over it, that it may be sent away into the wilderness to Azazel. Now, could I pause just for a second? Some of your translations do not have Azazel. For instance, if you've got an NIV, you do not have Azazel in your, in your text. You have the word scapegoat. Um, the Hebrew word for scapegoat is the Hebrew word Azazel. Now, why the English Standard Translation chose to give you the Hebrew word and not its English translation, I do not know. But I just want you to understand, if you saw Azazel, what that is, it has to do with the scapegoat, which is a big part of the whole Day of Atonement. Now let's proceed. Aaron shall present the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall kill the bull as a sin offering for himself. 
He shall take a censer full of coals of fire from the altar before the Lord and two handfuls of sweet incense beaten small and he shall bring it inside the veil and put the incense on the fire before the Lord that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is over the testimony so that he does not die. And he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the front of the mercy seat on the east side and in front of the mercy seat he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring its blood inside the veil and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, sprinkling it over the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. Thus he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the people of Israel and because of their transgressions, all their sins. And so he shall do for the tent of meeting, which dwells with them in the midst of their uncleannesses. No one may be in the tent of meeting from the time he enters to make atonement in the holy place until he comes out and has made atonement for himself and for his house and for all the assembly of Israel. Then he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it and shall take some of the blood of the bull, some of the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar all around. And he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times and cleanse it and consecrate it from the uncleannesses of the people of Israel. And when he has made an end of the atoning for the holy place and the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall present the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions, all their sins. And he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. The goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area, and he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness. Then Aaron shall come into the tent of meeting and shall take off the linen garments that he put on when he went into the holy place and shall leave them there. And he shall bathe his body in a holy place and put on the garments and come out and offer his burnt offering and the burnt offering of the people and make atonement for himself and for the people." And for, and the fat of the sin offering he shall burn on the altar and he, and he who lets the goat go to Azazel shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water and afterward he may come into the camp. And the bull for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering whose blood was brought into the make atonement in the holy place shall be carried outside the camp. Their skin and their flesh and their dung shall be burned up with fire. And he who burns them shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in fire, and afterward he may come into the camp. And it shall be a statute to you forever, that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict yourselves and shall do no work, either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. For on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord from all your sins. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest to you. And you shall afflict yourselves. It is a statute forever. And the priest who is anointed and consecrated as, a, as priest in his father's place shall make atonement wearing the holy linen garments. He shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary. He shall make atonement for the tent of meeting and for the altar. And he shall make atonement for the priest and for all of the people of the assembly. And this shall be a statute forever for you. That atonement may be made for the people of Israel once in the year because of all their sins. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, it endures forever. The tenth day of the month of Tishri, 
Tishri is the seventh month on the Jewish calendar. It corresponds roughly to our um, late September, October. In fact, <clears throat> um, Rosh Hashanah, a day, a name that maybe ring a bell. Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year, occurs ten days before the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur. If you will look on your calendars when you get home, you will notice that in small print in the bottom of uh, the little bracket, you will find that Rosh Hashanah is September the 18th this year. Ten days later, on the 28th of September of this year, Israel celebrates Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. The word Kippur comes from a from a Hebrew word kafar, which means to hide or to cover. If you're a Hebrew scholar, um, whenever the word Kippur is found in the PL, it is translated atonement. The Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur, was a part of a month-long celebration that um, started on the day of Rosh Hashanah, the, New Year's, the day of New Year's. The first ten days were spent in repentance, and then comes the day of Yom Kippur. After that, there was the Feast of Trumpets. After that, there was the Feast of Booths. And then the final, pretty much the final part, or the, the closing assembly of the, um, of the whole month was a, was a day that they called the Sacred Assembly, which was the closing out of this whole month. But the centerpiece of the whole month's festival was the tenth day of Tishri. Yom Kippur. Um, it is the holiest day in the Jewish calendar. It is the only day that, that supersedes the Sabbath in importance. And on that day, which, which I read for you out of Leviticus 16, on that day, various sacrifices were to be offered. And they were designed as a as a sacrament or a sacrifice for sin, first for the priest and his family, then for the nation of Israel, the individual people, and then for the, the place itself, the holy place and the altar and the, and the tabernacle. All of it was sinful or considered sinful. And so all of these sacrifices were held uh, or, or, were commi- or were performed on Yom Kippur because it was the... The method by which God communicated forgiveness to Israel. And the, the, the apex of that whole process occurred on this day known as Yom Kippur. The word Yom simply means day. Yom Kippur, the day of covering. The day of hiding our sin. The day of atonement. But there's a problem. <laughs> if you can find this real quick, you don't have to. But this is in the book of Hebrews. I told you, the book of Hebrews, particularly chapters 9 and 10, analyze for you Leviticus 16. Leviticus 16 is, is brought up and is 
analyzed by the author of Hebrews. Leviticus 16 gives detailed instructions as to how that day should unfold. Did you notice in verse 2 when it said, tell Aaron not to come back here any day that he wants to come back here. You don't get to come back here, Aaron. That is, you don't get to come back to the holy place, the presence of God with blood on your You don't get to come back here any day you want to. And then verse 3 says, this is the way you are to come back here. And then these these detailed specifications as to what should be worn, what should be done, where the blood should be placed, what kind of blood, when, how much. All in Leviticus 16. And then, and then we come to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 3. <laughs> but in these sacrifices, referring to the sacrifices of the Day of Atonement, but in these sacrifices there is a remainder of sin every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Do you see what he's claiming there, ladies and gentlemen? He said, first of all, the fact that you have to do this every year demonstrates that you're still a sinner. Um, The fact that this is an annual celebration suggests that it is a temporary, perhaps, method by which God saw fit to communicate forgiveness. But it is not a permanent one. By no means is it permanent because every year we want you to repeat it. Repeat it. And repeat it. Because there's still sin there. And this day of Yom Kippur cannot offer you a forgiveness of sin or cleanse you from your guilt or provide an, um, an access to God, a permanent access to God. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And yet, ladies and gentlemen, this was a God-instructed sacrifice that was that had as a part of it the communication of forgiveness, but its primary part, its primary purpose was to point to something else that would come later. Listen to this. We're still in Hebrews 10. This is verse 9. He abolishes the first in order to establish the second. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Do do you see that? Abolishing the first in preparation for the second. That is, the new one, the permanent one, the, the one to which Leviticus 16 only points. The one that is going to replace Yom Kippur. And what does he say? Through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Now, two other verses and I'll I'll quit. Look with me. Well, that's not true. I've got a couple more verses. But look at verse 11 and 12 real quick. Hebrews 10. 
Because what the author of Hebrews is doing is comparing and contrasting. He's comparing what Jesus has done versus what the priest did in Leviticus 16 on Yom Kippur. And every priest stands, this is verse 11, every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. And, and Now watch the contrast in verse 12. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And first of all, the priest offers repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. And verse 12 says, he offered once and for all. But the thing that I would draw your attention to is, notice in verse 11, and every priest stands daily. And then in verse 12, when he had offered all for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down. Do you know what's being said to you? The priest stands and he offers repeatedly day after day, year after year. Because it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to forgive sin. Until the high priest, the high priest, whose name is Christ, appears. He offers a sacrifice once. And then he sits down. Because it's done. It's completed. There's nothing else that needs to be done. The payment for sin has been accomplished. One other thing. Having described the differences between Yom Kippur and what Jesus has done, he then says in verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Having explained the vast difference, he then extends an invitation. Do you understand the difference in what Christ has done as opposed to what was accomplished in Leviticus 16? If so, then let us draw near. And ladies and gentlemen, there is only one way to draw near. Don't you go any way you think you ought to go. There's only one way that is approved by God by which we might approach him. And that way is symbolized in this sacrament. Ladies and gentlemen, Yom Kippur is a relic. The way to God is through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And that's the only way to Him. This sacrament points to that. Our Father, I pray that you would meet us here, that you would remind us that the work is completed, the work is done. There's nothing to add to it, nothing to um, modify, that it has been accomplished, <clears throat> that, the, that the work is marvelously and beautifully complete. 
And so we come to lay hold of it. We come not pleading one smidgen of righteousness of our own. We come to lay hold of Christ and him crucified. So might this sacrament do that for us. Might it remind us. Might in our mind's eye, as we take this bread and drink this cup, might our hands be extended to lay hold of Christ all over again. Do that for us, Father. Meet us here. We ask it in Jesus' name.